welcome back to the Home Birth Experience. We are here today with Christina Maddox. Hi, everybody. Hi, Julia. <laughs> Hi, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we mentioned last podcast, that on the next one, we would be talking to Dotan Herzog, a Jewish moil about circumcision. We are going to get to that, and that is going to be very informative. We just wanted to mention to our audience that me as a midwife and Christina as assistant of Cleveland Home Birth, we are not pro-circumcision or pro-not-circumcision. We are pro-choices. So I feel that part of my job as a midwife is to give my clients non-biased information. So that means giving you information on both sides of the story. And I thought it would be really interesting since a lot of my clients didn't even know that a Jewish moil existed, could come to their house and do a circumcision if that's what they chose to do for their son. I thought it would be interesting to have him on the show to explain to the audience what a Jewish moil is, how it works, what happens, and simply from an informative perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into that, Christina, how has the past week been for you? Pretty low-key. My baby turned one, so that was fun. We had a Zoom call for to sing happy birthday to her. I can't believe it was a year ago. I know. I really can't. I actually did watch your birth video. You did? Yes. Aww, <laughs> I was wondering. I, I wanted to... To have a moment when I watched it was yeah. why I didn't watch it right away. Yeah. You know, just the hustle and bustle of life. Yeah. Like, hey, I got to have a moment. So it was two nights ago. I was sitting on my porch. And it was real warm outside and I watched it and I'm not going to lie. I started crying. Aww. It was so beautiful. You don't really see her actually being born. Right. You hear things. I think I said something like. You her, mumbled a few things. Like, oh, her head is there. Yeah, we knew she was crowning. Yeah, I think, uh -huh. yeah. So you could kind of hear what yeah. was going on. But then just what happened afterwards, because it was a five-minute video, it was four and a half minutes of you discovering your daughter yeah. and, and and your partner her. discovering. And he was crying, and you were just in awe. And then your son saying, was it a boy or a girl? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you discovering she was a girl. It was just, uh, it took me back to, I just, I can't believe it was a year ago. I, know. I felt it like it was so fast. Uh, and she's walking now. She's practically running. <laughs> she's running around here. I know. Teetering. It's like, you don't even have balance. How are you running so fast? She climbed up the steps in one day. She learned all the steps. Wow. She just zips right up. It's, it's incredible. so incredible. I know. Woo. We have also been having weekly Zoom calls, mm -hmm. support group for Cleveland Home Birth clients. That's been really cool. Yeah. The first one was more centered on lactation. Right. And the second one was kind of topics all over the place. Whatever came up, we talked about. Mm -hmm. I've been really enjoying that. You know, we have all been sheltered in because of this COVID-19 pandemic. And that has been a really nice option to connect. And I think the clients are enjoying it. What do you think? Yeah. I'm a former client and I'm enjoying it. I love the community aspect of it. Like just being able to chat with moms that think like you and that went through the same thing you went through. It's just such a wonderful community to have. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to continue it even after the shelter in order lifts, just because I think it's easy for moms to come online at 10 in the morning and, you know, you don't have to pack the baby up and go somewhere and all that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely going to continue it. But um, things are so different with COVID-19. And I think these are some of the silver linings that we have, you know, Mm -hmm. learning new ways of connecting and you and I have even had Zoom meetings just to connect and um, go over things that are happening in the practice yeah. and what our next steps and certain projects are. And so that's been really cool, too. So that's definitely a silver lining because there have definitely been some challenges and a learning curve of of handling this because it's it's constantly changing and evolving. And, you know, we kind of talked about COVID-19. We did a an episode specifically on COVID-19 when it first happened and so many things have changed since Mm -hmm. then but just to kind of update our audience and our clients we're still following standard precautions so wearing masks hand washing upon entering houses exiting houses um, masks at birth prenatals postnatals and it's really for our clients protection Um, we're not so much worried about contracting COVID ourselves like I'm not worried about my health I you know, have good habits of doing immune boosters, having a healthy lifestyle, eating healthy. And I know that you do too. Mm -hmm. So I know if we got it, we would more than likely be okay, but God forbid we got it and passed it on to somebody and they weren't okay. So really everything that we're doing is to protect our clients. And, you know, it's been somewhat emotionally exhausting just because it's constantly evolving and changing and we have to change the way that our practice is and think about the clients in their best interest and stay up to date on all the current information. So it's been interesting to live through this time, you know, yeah. I, we've, I've never lived through anything like this before, yeah. especially right. as a home birth midwife having a practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the weather's also been getting warmer, which is so nice. I sat by the lake the other day. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. And I love the spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are we going to buy a boat this summer? <laughs> <laughs> that's the should dream. We, should we buy a boat? We'll do prenatals on the boat. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. Could we expense it that way if that's what we did? <laughs> That would be like a draw for the clients, right? Come, Some of them. Yeah. Come relax on our boat and have your prenatal too. How cool would that be? <laughs> so fun. Christina and I joked all last summer. We got to get a boat. We got to get a boat. Yeah. Maybe we'll just get an inflatable boat and go, <laughs> go out in the lake, <laughs> float around. <laughs> oh, Whatever I it might, takes. I might give paddle boarding a try again, but that's not as relaxing. No. Have you, you ever to- paddle boarded on the lake? No. We don't even take the kayaks on the lake, honestly, because it's it's so wavy. Really? Yeah, we just and usually kayaks go the- even. Oh yeah, dang! It has to be really calm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna try my hand at paddleboarding again. I did it two summers ago, and I remember thinking my toes hurt after this because I was You're like gripping so I was hard, like gripping <laughs> with my toes so I'll hard. Bet. I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. Bet. I don't want to fall. But I was, you know, I was on the river, so it wasn't too bad on the river. But then, yeah, when I got onto lake, I just dropped to my knees because yeah. there was no way yeah. I was going to stay on my feet on that water. So rocky. That's crazy that it's like that in kayaks too. I would have thought it was a lot easier. 
I just, I'm not that comfortable. Mm -mm. Oh man. Well, I think that we should definitely get our, get ourselves out in the water and ASAP. ASAP. Mm Yep. Should we jump right into this podcast? Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right, here we go. Hi everyone. Today we are here with Dotan Herzog, who is a Jewish moil and performs circumcisions um, and has worked with a lot of my clients, actually. Welcome to the show, Dotan. Hi. Hi, thank you so much. So we wanted to ask you a few questions because a lot of people aren't even familiar with um, what you do, and maybe some people haven't even heard of a Jewish moil. I know a lot of my clients, when they ask me, well, what if I have a boy and I want to get him circumcised? What do I do? Do I have to take him to the hospital? So could you first explain what a Jewish moil is? Sure. So a Jewish moil is um, it's a, a person that only does uh, circumcisions, uh, and it, no other procedures, but just basically a moil does circumcisions. Now, when it comes to the Jewish faith, uh, we do also uh, prayers. We do a service, a, 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 a religious service. So the, the, what we call the bris. The ceremony itself is called the bris, which means covenant. And what we do is we do the circumcision plus a ceremony invoking the uh, commandment in the Bible that was given to Abraham about 4,000 or so years ago. And at the same time, what we do is we do a naming ceremony for the boy that, uh, that uh, is circumcised. So that's what a moil does. So in order to become a moil, obviously you got to do a lot of studying, not only on the uh, biblical aspect and also the religious law aspect of it, but obviously also the surgical part of it, the surgical aspect of it, you have to be uh, well-versed in that. Uh, so in order to become a moyo, you have to be uh, an expert, basically, in the physical, the liturgical, and the surgical part of it. Wow, that's amazing. So how did you get the clinical training? So I am a second-generation moyo. My father was a moyo, too. As a matter of fact, I'm still using his tools. Um, the, you know, those tools are uh, very, very good. Uh, the, uh, I think I actually like the older tools better. I don't think they make them like they used to back, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, very good steel. And uh, it's just really, really good tools. So my father, uh, when I was younger, uh, I asked him to train me. And he, uh, he started a training process. Unfortunately, uh, in the middle of the training, he uh, he ended up passing away. He had a heart attack and died. So we never we never did physical training. So I was lucky enough to find a rabbi. His name is uh, Shai Oved. He's a Yemenite rabbi who lives in Jerusalem, and he was able to give me a lot of hands-on experience and a lot of the uh, liturgical and biblical uh, training that I needed. So I worked with him, uh, and I was with him for a month. I had already gone in 
with a little bit of experience because after my dad died, I was able to work with a Dr. Bob Lewis for about a half a year. Uh, he was also able to, he was, he's a urologist here in Columbus. Since then, he's already retired, but back then, he was a urologist here in Columbus. And he gave me some training, some hands-on, but I knew that he could not certify me. He would not be able to certify me. So I found Rabbi Shai Obed in Jerusalem, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, Yemenite rabbi, and he gave me more training, and he also gave me the biblical and liturgical, liturgical uh, training. And it happened to be that he was also a member of the Board of Rabbis of Jerusalem. So he was able to give me not only his own uh, certification, but also the uh, certification to the Board of Rabbis of Jerusalem, and that's how I was able to become a professional model. That is absolutely fantastic. So you actually spent time in Jerusalem? Yes, I was with him for a full month. Wow, that's so cool. What an amazing place to go to. Yes, it was It was really a fantastic time. You know, I really enjoyed being part of the fabric of what makes Jerusalem tick. You know, I was part of the working force of Jerusalem. It was really cool to uh, be part of it, to be part of the city of Jerusalem. What makes uh, the city tick? Yeah, that's amazing. So you mentioned performing circumcisions at Brisks. The clients that you have worked with um, of mine, they have all been Christian clients. And I'm assuming you see um, people from other backgrounds as well. So um, what do you, how do you feel about people going back to you, like, this is actually, you know, obviously a controversial thing. What do you think about the people that choose to not circumcise? Well, my opinion on that is like this. So I get, I get several calls a week from people that call me and they say, they ask me, they say to me, I want you to convince me to do a circumcision. Well, the truth of the matter is, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesman. Uh, you want me to do one? I'll be glad to do it for you. Uh, if I was a, if I was a salesman, I'll be selling stuff. But I'm not a salesman. But what I do say, when they do call me and they ask me, I will say that it is, of course, it is a personal choice that a parent has to be has to make for his or her child or her son. But what I will say that there are benefits to it uh, that, uh, that come along with doing a circumcision. You know, of course, if you talk about the, the infections that you could prevent, you're also talking about situations where let's say the meatus is too small, you could cause a phimosis, or which is basically where the opening does not open enough to, to go behind the head of the penis. And also, what happens a lot of times that I've seen with a child when he's older, he will pull the, he will force the skin backwards, and it will become like a rubber band behind the head of the penis. Uh, and God forbid, if not taken care of on time, obviously, like a rubber band, it can choke off the gland, so we'll call the head of the penis. Uh, you know. Those are things that could happen, not necessarily happen, 
you know, there's no guarantee, of course, that if you leave the uh, foreskin intact, anything will happen. There's no guarantee. But uh, it's just one less thing that you have to worry about. It's uh, Now, on the other hand, also, the one thing that I have noticed a lot, when I started 25 years ago, the numbers, the number of calls that I would get from people that had older children, let's say three, four, five years old, that they were not, that the circumcision was not done, I will get maybe one, maybe two calls a month from people asking me if I would do their three, four, or five-year-old child because they developed developed an infection or there were issues with it. And of course, at that point, for me, it's too old. Now, there's really a larger number of people that are not doing it. There's a really much bigger percentage than what it was 25 years ago. Now, I will get about three or four calls a week from people that did not have their child done and now they're experiencing problems. So, basically, the answer is you don't have to do it, but if you do it, now you don't have to worry about anything more in the future. That's interesting. Thank you for your perspective on that. So, serving not only the Jewish population, but Christians and other denominations and people that may not be associated with religion, how many circumcisions would you say you are doing yearly now? So, it's, uh, it's really funny. The, the answer to that, I, I probably average between, especially now, because the problem... Oh, the, not the problem, but the situation now is that not only do, am I getting the home birth, I'm also getting a lot of uh, babies who were born in the hospital that don't want to get it done in the hospital. They basically just want to give birth and get out as quickly as possible. They are concerned about staying in the hospital. So I'm also getting, and, and thirdly, I'm also getting uh, procedures, uh, circumcisions uh, from uh, physicians who are not doing electives. They are right now concentrating on uh, digital, uh, you know, works uh, on site, uh, uh, taking care of their taking care of their patients via uh, media. So they're not really doing electives. So right now, I'm very, very, very busy. But pre-pandemic, right, or what we call PP pre-pandemic, right? <laughs> I was probably doing. I was probably doing, or, you know, I was probably doing about 10 to 15 a week. Wow. Uh, the average. Now, the interesting fact of that is that out of the 10 to 15 that I do a week, maybe, maybe 10% are Jewish. That almost are not. Interesting. Yeah, I know when I've seen you at my clients' homes, you and I always joke about who drives more, and you definitely drive more because you cover such a large territory. And what did you tell me? You drive almost 500 miles a day? Sometimes more, yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, yeah I, average, I average between uh, two and 3,000 miles a week. Yeah, you've got me beat several times because I'm at, you know, 500 a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do a lot of driving. I just, I just, uh, I just traded my car that I had before this one, and uh, it was about it's a little over two years old, and I already had 150,000 miles. Wow. That's so, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yes, I do a lot of driving. 
Yes, you do. And we are very, very grateful for you doing all that driving. You know, moving from Cincinnati to Cleveland, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, who's going to do this? And here you are. You're still coming up to where I am now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the post post person, you know, through rain, snow, rain, (laughs) you know, through all of that. Yeah, yeah. We can relate on that. Yeah. So you spoke briefly about your father's tools. Could you describe the tools that you use for a circumcision? Sure. So there are several different methods uh, that you can do a circumcision, but there are three that are mostly used. The first one is called the gumco, which is basically sort of a a bell, a bell-shaped cover that goes uh, inside the foreskin, between the foreskin and the gland, and they put a contraption on top of the outside of the foreskin that attaches itself to the to the contraption inside the foreskin, basically trapping the foreskin in between the two, and it's basically kind of kind of cutting around it. That's called the gumco. That's a metal a metal contraption. The second procedure is called a plastic bell, which is in essence the same thing, except that it is plastic. And instead of cutting, what they do is they use a string and they trap the skin against the, the plastic bell inside the foreskin. And basically it takes about seven to 10 days for the skin to kill, for the string to kill the, 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 the skin and eventually it falls off. So, sorry to interrupt you, but that basically is circumcision via necrosis. You're just cutting off. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You're cutting off the circulation and cutting off the oxygen flow to that skin. It basically just falls off on its own about seven to ten days. The procedure that I use is a third procedure. It is called the Morgan clamp. It spells M-O-G-E-N. Some people spell it M-A-G-E-N. Uh, that's a method that uh, I use. It is also the method that uh, most, if not all, of the Jewish moils use. It is, it is a much simpler method. It is a much quicker method. It's funny, if you Google that procedure, it says that it takes about the average five minutes. It really only takes about a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't take five minutes. It should only take about a minute and a half. That's all it should, should take. What I like about about the Muggen uh, contraption or, or the Muggen uh, tool is that you're able, with the Muggen, you're able to adjust it to not only the amount of foreskin that you want to cut, also to the angle of the gland. That's something that you're not really able to do with either the Gumco or the plastic belt it's uh, you're not really. It's more like a one size, or one shape fits all. So you're not able to adjust to the shape that you wanted to uh, to cut it. So could you explain from start to finish the procedure? Sure. So what what both procedures do have in common is you do have to separate the. Uh, the uh, foreskin from the glands. Usually, when the baby is born, there's a little difficult membrane that attaches 
that forced him to the to the ground. Uh, so that's what they have in common is you do have to remove that little membrane. The difference, though, in that particular part is that physicians for they use three hemostats to kind of stretch the skin and break that adhesion. And the reason why they have to use three hemostats is because they have to stretch the skin in order to so they can fit the little bell inside between the glands and the foreskin. Since I don't have to introduce anything, I don't have to scrape the skin. All I use is basically a probe, and I kind of go around in circles one or two times just to make sure that there's no adhesion, and I don't have to stretch the skin because I'm not putting anything in between. Once that's done, I use the hemostat to grab the skin and also measure how much skin I want to I wanna grab. Obviously, you want to grab behind the, the uh, corona, which is a little lip at the bottom of the glands. So with the, with the hemostat, I'm able to see how far I want to go, and I grab the skin at the corona, at which point I will put the mugging, the clamp, the mugging clamp, at an angle uh, so that the reason why I put it at an angle is to adjust to the shape of the corona because there's less glands on the ventral side of the, of the shaft, which is the bottom part, and there's more glands on the top part. Uh, so you want to you wanna put the, 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 the mug at, a, at, a, at an angle so you leave more of the original skin in the ventral side, there'll be less scar tissue. Once the, uh, the clamp is placed, I engage the clamp, the clamping series, and the clamping uh, mechanism, at which point the uh, vessels and the nerves are crushed or sealed. And then I cut the, the, uh, the foreskin at this point on top of the clamp. And once it's cut, I remove the, uh, the muggin and I push and I open the crushed skin and basically pushing it backwards underneath the corona, and that's what will remain. Wow. And then you instruct the parents on aftercare. Could you explain a little bit of what aftercare looks like? Yes. So what happens is after the procedure, I put, I, I wrap the baby with gauze and I put gauze in him. And then I let the mommy take him away, uh, nurse him if she chooses, or feed in the bottle if she chooses. Uh, I've always been big on giving the baby right away to the mommy. Uh, I always, I, I always, when I was studying in the hospital and doing this uh, studying, I always hated when the, the baby will go to the nurse because I felt that the baby should go to the mommy. I always noticed that the baby comes down a lot quicker with the mommy, obviously, than with the nurse. So I right away, as soon as I know the procedure, I give the baby to the mommy. So basically for the time, for the time that I get the baby from the mommy to the time that she gets it back is roughly about three minutes. And I give it right back to the mommy. And she will nurse him or, or feed him if she chooses. And then I like to give about 10 or so minutes, at which point I will, I will get the baby back and I will examine him. Make sure that everything is is good, that there's no bleeding, 
that his kidneys were supposed to be. And then at that point, I will apply on him uh, more gauze, some kind of specialty gauze, uh, compression, a compression gauze, a hemostatic gauze, just to prevent any problems after a leave. And then as soon as I'm done with that, I will uh, spend about 10 or so minutes with the mommy and, and the daddy, if he's there, uh, with both of them, to go over the uh, over the care of the baby. Spend about 10 or so minutes going over the care and showing him how to take care of every step. On top of that, I also uh, gave him my business card. In the back of the business card, my wife was smart enough to, uh, to write to make me business cards that the front has my name and my information and the back of the business card has step-by-step instructions on how to take the baby. So she's a very smart lady. So she helped me with that and she made these cards for me and, uh, and these cards really go over what we discussed very well. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so nice to be able to give the client something tangible that they can refer back to. I yeah. love that you do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. because I always notice Exactly. I do the same thing immediate postpartum after a birth before I leave the house. I do a general overview of things to look for, what to do, when to call, but then I have it all on paper because just like you said, the parents are tired. They're not going to really pay attention to the spiel and so that way they have it on paper to to refer back to. So that's that's awesome. Um so you are has your business increased? You said that, that you're getting more calls now, you know, because of the pandemic, but then less people are circumcising in general. So over the past 25 years, like, has your business continued to increase or does it kind of stay the same? What's that look like? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, uh, interestingly enough, even though more, a bigger percentage of parents are not circumcising their sons, my business actually has been increasing. Uh, a lot of it has to do, I think, that you know, the population keeps growing. Uh, it's, it's not really a constant. There's really more babies being born every single year. That plus the fact that a lot of my business, if not all of it, all of my business is either referrals or word of mouth. I don't advertise. You know, I always wonder if I was to advertise what my logo would look like, and then I decided that maybe it's not a good idea to advertise. So I couldn't find, I could not find a good logo for my business. So everything is word of mouth, everything is referral from midwives or other people. And what happens is that as the years progress, and people are very pleased, pleased with my with my service and with the way that it looks, because the truth of the matter is that the Gumco clamp does have more problems than the mug and clamp. So there's a lot of people, there's more, you know, all of my customers are very pleased with my service. They're pleased with the fact that I explained that I come over to their house, that I spend the time with each one. You know, I don't just basically cut and run. I really spend the time with the person. You know, they're not just a patient. They're really, it's a baby. It's, just, it's not just a patient. It's a human. It's a person that needs to care 
their own individual care. Just like I'm sure with you, I'm, and I always hear how midwives, they, they, they love the midwives because they get individualized care. You know, midwives are, are, are fantastic people and that, uh, that really understand they're not just a client, they're not a number, they're a person. So just like that, this baby and this parents, to me, are a person that needs sympathy to take care of this child that just went through a procedure. It's a small procedure, but it's still a procedure. So I think that because of that, the fact that we get individualized care and the fact that we do a good job because it is all we do. We don't do anything else. We don't do tummy tucks. We don't do nails. We don't do anything else. It's all we do. Okay? Right. So, so we're good at what we do. Right. So I, because of that, even though there's less of a percentage of people doing it, I think that it kind of gets balanced by the number of people that get to know me from referrals. Absolutely. I always tell people, if you're going to circumcise, I wouldn't trust anybody else but Doton. I, I just wouldn't. You know, I've seen you do the procedure several times. And actually, a client that you served in October of mine, you did her son's circumcision. It was her third son. And the first two had been circumcised in the hospital. And she had said to me that the circumcision you did on this last son she had was way better than the other two. They, in fact, had to have the second boy circumcised twice. They had to go back and and fix um, the original circumcision, and she was just so impressed with with your work on, on her son back in October. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. We value what you do in the community for sure and all the driving that you do to come to us is so much appreciated I know one thing that uh, listeners may be wondering is you know in the hospital insurance covers these things maybe not I don't know how that works but you know it just goes through a billing system and we don't really see numbers what does uh, circumcision at home run um, price-wise on average The way I break it is like this. The, uh, the procedure and the supplies that I will buy. In other words, I always bring the supplies. I bring the gauze, and I bring the ointment, and I bring the infant Tylenol. I bring all that stuff uh, for the parents for the aftercare. Really more because, especially with the Amish, which is a big part of my, of my, of my client, it's hard for them to go the store, it's not like you and I would just get in the car and go. For them, the store could be a long way, a long ways away, and to get on a horse and drive 10, 15 miles is not that like you and I driving 15 miles. So I bring all the supplies. Excuse me. So I bring the supplies with me. So, and that, and the fact that I want to make sure that their supplies are the correct ones. I always use methotrexin. I'm not big on neosporin. Neosporin has neomycin. And it's sometimes it's hard to find neosporin. I'm also big on non-stick glasses. I mean, I like to make sure that they're, the, the glasses are non-stick for obvious reasons. And I'm also big on, on Tylenol and not ibuprofen because ibuprofen is a blood thinner. So I, I always want to make sure, <coughs> excuse me, that I bring the right supplies. So, so the procedure, the supplies is $225. And then for out-of-town circumcision, there is... The 
cough to cover the gas, a fee for covering the gas to go back and forth. So there's no trip charge. There's basically a gas charge just to cover the gas. That's really reasonable, so in my opinion. Yeah, so on the average, it's about $25 for the gas. I mean, there's no trip charge just for the gas. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really affordable from my perspective. Yeah. Um, Christina, do you have any questions or any thoughts, anything to add? You had gone to the a circumcision of our client, Tiara, who was on the podcast last week and her son getting circumcised. Doton came to the house to do it. It was the first time that you had witnessed a circumcision. Do you have any thoughts or anything you want to add? Well, I enjoyed meeting Doton and I, I loved seeing what he had to do. Um, I like I like your perspective, Doton, on, on handing the baby right back to the mom. I like what you were saying about that. I feel like it's really... It's really a home birth, a home birth centered like thought. Just the importance of the mama and the baby being together. Um, yeah, I think that I think that you're a great addition to the community. I think that what you do is it's phenomenal and it's so affordable. Thank you, thank you so much. Yes, I I, I will tell you that I've been doing this for 25 years, and in 25 years I've only raised it ten dollars. <laughs> Just, uh, wow. just it put it only with the ten dollars, and the, the reason why is because I don't want, I don't want the, the the cost to be a factor in your decision to do it or not. Right. If you're not gonna do it, if you're not gonna do it, do it for principles. Don't do it because it's too expensive. Right. You know, I I want to keep it affordable so that if it's a choice of yours to do it. I don't want the cost to be a factor. That's very generous of you, because yeah. only going up ten dollars in twenty-five years is not very much. No. no, no. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap this up? Well, that you know that I, as I said earlier, I've been doing this for twenty-five years. Uh, I don't do anything else, like I said. But I will say is uh, to prospective parents. This is something that I've been telling everybody now. Uh, with prospective parents coming up, if your choice is to do a circumcision and you choose to use me, due to the situation that we have right now with the pandemic, and God willing that, you know, very soon will go away. But for the time being right now, uh, when it comes to circumcisions, if you're going to hire me, I would only do the circumcision only with the parents present. No extended family, no friends and guests, no uh, uncles and aunts and things like that. Uh, it's just me and the parents and I guess the baby siblings because I guess they have to be there, right? Mm-hmm. You can't get out of the house. But it's just us. And by the way, that's the same thing that I've been doing also with the Jewish circumcisions. We're only, I, won't, I will only do ceremonial Jewish circumcisions only with the parents, the baby, and I. So I'm very, I'm limiting at this point the um, the amount of people present. Uh, I'm trying to protect not only the the baby and the family, but also myself and also the other the other clients that I use. Uh, so because of that, right now I'm limiting the number of people in the room in the house during the procedure. And of course, I will come in uh, with with a 
with gloves and, and with uh, masks. And we all at this point, unfortunately, we all have to protect ourselves in everything. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat there. I've been limiting the number of people that are at births and prenatals and masks and gloves. And Mm -hmm. it is really at the end of the day, like you said, it's all about protecting our clients. You know, we could we could easily be exposed and then take it somewhere else if we weren't using proper personal protective equipment. So it is really important for us to to protect our clients. to be right now unfortunately and like you said god willing yeah. we'll get over this soon yes that's what we can hope for yep anything else you want to add before we finish up no i, I think that uh that uh we kind of have, have gone through it all uh we've gone through the procedure uh we've got to the different kinds of procedures there are um you know I guess the only thing I'm going to say is, you know, that that's something that uh, you have to, you know, decide what's the best thing for you and for your child. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always said was the choice is yours. And don't let anybody else tell you what to do. This is what I always tell parents, you know, in every single aspect. I always tell them it is your choice. It is your child. Unless this other person is planning on paying for college, that's your choice. (laughs) I agree. It is absolutely 100% the parent's choice. And I like the point that you bring up. People have opinions and they try to sway you one way or another. And I agree. Parents should do what they feel is most comfortable for their family and their child. Absolutely, 100%. Like I said, Yep. Yep. Well, it's been really fun talking to you. I'm so excited that you had the time to chat with us and do this podcast. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Sure. It's my pleasure. It's a, it's a pleasure spending the time with you. And uh, and uh, I hope, of course, to see you soon on a, on a personal and a business uh, aspect of it. We will make it happen for sure. Well, safe driving, and thank you again for being here today. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Gosh, guys, what an interesting topic today. I hope you all learned something. I sure did. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cleveland Home Birth and at the Home Birth Experience and also Cleveland Home Birth on Facebook. Please leave us a review and make sure you subscribe so you get all of our newest episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye.